Well, this is our fifth lesson in studying the letters of John. And in this lesson, we'll see that God is light. And our text will once again come from 1 John chapter 1, verse 5 through 10. And then we'll look at sin. But first, I'd like to review lesson four. And in lesson four, we read Isaiah 42, 6 and 7. I, the Lord, have called you in righteousness. I will take hold of your hand. I will keep you and I will make you to be a covenant for the people and a light for the Gentiles, to open the eyes that are blind, to free captives from prison, and to release from the dungeon those who sit in darkness. God will make us what he will, but we first must take his hand and walk with him in righteousness. God wants to reveal himself to us. The only way we can have fellowship, koinonia, an intimate relationship with the Father, is to walk in the light as he is in the light, and then we have that close fellowship with one another. And then the blood of Jesus purifies us from all sin. And I'd like to take a moment and add to this idea of making. The Hebrew word for making here literally means to guard, to protect. It means a watchman. In John 15, God is the watchman over the vineyard. It is the idea that God prunes the vines, branches, us, so we can produce more fruit. He has only good in mind as he prunes, and he makes us what he will, vines that will produce more fruit for him. But this only happens if we abide, if we remain, live entirely in the vine. For God to shape us and make us, we must learn to live in Christ as a way of life, as if our lives totally depend on him, because they do. Also in our last lesson, we saw that when we miss the mark, we have the responsibility to confess our sins. Then he is faithful and just and will forgive us and purify us from all unrighteousness. We need to call sin what God calls sin. He is our standard through his word and not through our spouses, our pastors, our co-workers, our friends, or our neighbors. God is our standard. What has happened in the church today, at least in America, is we have allowed society through our culture, our government, and our courts to set the standard of what sin is. God is not politically correct. We have become a society that justifies sin. Often people look for another standard they can reach because they miss God's target. We have not become a society of overwhelming darkness, but a society that has the absence of light. Because the church today doesn't call sin what it really is, sin, we run the risk of losing our saltiness. We have lost much of our Holy Spirit power because God cannot and will not fellowship with darkness, period. Well, let's look again at 1 John 1, 5 through 10. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light. In him, there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light, 
as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his Son, purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just, and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar, and his word is not in us. In John chapter 8, verse 12, he writes, When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. In today's culture, we must define what, what God we believe in and serve. Too often we hear people say, oh, I believe in God. We need to ask ourselves, what kind of God do we believe in? This may seem a very basic question, but one that must be answered. So let me ask you, what kind of God do you believe in? The mere fact that we believe in God is not really very clear. We must define what kind of God we believe in. We as believers must be sure we define God in the biblical sense. We see our first characteristic of God as light. In Genesis 1-3, And God said, Let there be light. And there was light. I would venture to say when believers are asked to give one characteristic of God, the first thing they would say is that God is love. And I have actually asked this question in a small group. And most did say that God is love. While there is no doubt that God is love, the first characteristic of God is that he is light. John doesn't get into God is love until his fourth chapter. But when people say that God is love, and again, we have no doubt that he is, they need to know how to define love in the biblical sense. Many believe that God is so loving that he he would never allow anyone to go to hell. God's love, agape, is a love of choice. God chose to love us. But in his love for us, he will not go against our wills. He will never force his way into our lives. He made the ultimate sacrifice by sending his son. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But this is a decision that we must all make for ourselves. So God is light. God is love. God is also spirit. We see this in John 4, 24. God is spirit and his worshipers must worship in the spirit and in truth. God is a consuming fire. Hebrews 12, 28 and 29. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, Let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe for our God is a consuming fire. Now I realize that this is just a thumbnail sketch of who God is and not meant to be all inclusive. John Stodd in his commentary on the letters of John states of the statements about the essential being of God. None is more comprehensive than God is light. So we ask ourselves, how can a holy God mix with people like us? That is, sinners. Mankind that has a fallen, sinful nature, since God can only fellowship with light. 
We can only have fellowship with God on His terms, that we be clean. I had a friend once that noticed the closer we become to God and come into His presence, the more we see our fleshly nature and our imperfections. Part of coming clean with God is to confess. We see this in our study today in 1 John first chapter, verse 9. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Remember, to confess means to speak the same as, for us to call sin what God calls sin. And in verse 6, if we claim to have fellowship with Him and yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. If a man who claims to know a holy God and lives in sin, he is telling a lie. Light and darkness cannot coexist. In verse 7, But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, His Son, purifies us from all sin. The standard is His light. We are not to live by our spouse's standard, but by God's. We're not to live by our pastor's standard, but by God's. If we walk where God shines His light, there will be two results. First, we'll have fellowship with one another. We will have an intimate fellowship with other Christians. The only thing that divides Christians is sin. Too often in today's Christian culture, many churches split or someone leaves the church because of some offense, either real or imagined. Instead of not taking the offense or go and settle that offense in a biblical way as in Matthew 18, they leave the church offended. They leave angry and hurt and take the pain and hurt with them when they leave, causing damage to the body of Christ. In the second half of verse 7, And the blood of Jesus, His Son, purifies us from all sin. The blood of Jesus goes on cleansing us. The word here is in present continuing tense, meaning that it is not a one-time event, but a continual process. We can call sin what we want. We can call it personality differences, differences in doctrines, mistakes, whatever you want to call it. But it all boils down to sin. Well, let's take a look at that word sin. It's a word that people hate. It's not politically correct. We call ourselves victims, casualties, born into sin. The word sin in Greek here is hamartia, and it is used eight times in these six verses. Sin is not what we do to ourselves. Some would call that a vice. Sin is not what I do or someone does to someone else. That's a crime. Sin is what you and I do to God. David in Psalm 51 puts this all in perspective. This is the psalm he wrote just after Nathan pointed out his sin with Bathsheba. For I know my transgressions, and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only, have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So you are right in your verdict and justified when you judge. Now, obviously, David did ultimately sin against Bathsheba and Uriah. But first and foremost, he sinned against God. We might commit a vice or a crime, and really that is a sin against God. 
but we may not commit a vice or a crime and still sin against God. In other words, there's rebellion, there's pride, there's greed. These are all missing the mark with God. Romans seven eighteen points out our nature. For I know that good in itself does not dwell in me, that is, in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. Paul goes on to say in verse 25, Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, I myself in my mind am a slave to God's law, but in my sinful nature, a slave to the law of sin. We ultimately have a choice. Paul writes in Colossians 3, 5 through 10, Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil deeds, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must also rid yourself of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices and put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge and the image of its creator. Paul is very clear here. We have the responsibility to make the choice to become a slave to God's law and therefore put to death our sinful nature. We are to put to death and put off the things of the flesh. That is our sinful nature. We are also to put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge and the image of its creator. Thanks be to God who delivers me, us, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Verse 8 of 1 John 1. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. The Gnostics of the day believed that sin in the body did not affect the spirit. John claims just the opposite. The preacher's commentary puts it this way. John's message to us is very basic. We are able to do only one thing ourselves, and that is to step out into the light. The tragic confusion and anger and hurtfulness that the light reveals in our lives is too much for us to handle and to resolve by ourselves. God himself, who brings the light, also brings the help. That help is the person, Jesus Christ who gives his own life in our behalf. At just the right moment, we discover the enormous exception that God does not destroy the wanderers he finds upon the road. Rather, he cleanses them and qualifies them for the way of light. And the preacher's commentary continues, John is insistent with his readers on one very important point. To walk in the light does not mean that a human being is sinless and flawless. Rather, to walk in the light means that a human being is, as a sinner is, in the light, fully aware that he or she is a sinner. That is the point. The surprise of this passage is that just such a sinner is not a lost cause, not beyond help, but that at just the right moment, the companion of our road, who himself is the source of the light which makes us recognize our guilt, now becomes the means of our help which resolves our guilt. The answer to the human tragedy, therefore, is not a secret to be learned, 
not an escape from the road into a more spiritual atmosphere, not the denial of the problem, but the man, Jesus Christ, alongside. It is in this shared brokenness of walking in the light that we have koinonia with each other. Merriam-Webster Dictionary defines light as the form of energy that makes it possible to see things. The Oxford Dictionary defines light as the natural agent that stimulates sight and makes things visible. God is light. In Him, there is no darkness at all. God reveals Himself to man, and in that process, God reveals to man what He needs to confess to keep His relationship with Him connected. The Christians I have been closest to over the years are not the ones who appear to have it all together. The ones I have been closest to are those who are teachable, correctable, and are like clay in the hands of the potter. They are the ones who, through confession and repentance, are improved by the Holy Spirit. In a nutshell, they are the ones who are broken by God and not the ones who refuse to admit they actually have flaws. To walk in the light does not mean that we are flawless or sinless, but that we acknowledge that we are sinners, but we are also people who confess and repent when we do sin. As Christians, we need to keep short accounts with God. That is, we need to be sure that we're in a position to hear from Him by walking in the light, following Him, and when we trip and fall, we get back up, repent, and keep walking with Him on this road of life. All the while, holding his hand along the way.